This is episode 112 de Diferente. Hey you, yeah, I'm talking to you. What are you doing with this podcast? Are you sharing it with your friends? Because one of the best ways to let somebody know that you care about them is by sharing thought-inspiring content with them. Like this podcast, where we share stories and experiences that expose us to different perspectives. Here are three easy ways to share the show. You can take a screenshot of this episode and post it on social media, text it directly to anyone in your contact list, or you can also send them the link to our website, diferentepodcast.com. Voila! Super simple. If you like Diferente, the best way to support us is by sharing it, sharing it, and sharing it some more. Now let's get on with the show. In this episode, I'm chatting with graphic designer, photographer, creative entrepreneur, and podcaster, Pam Covarrubias. Pam and I became friends through Instagram. How else are you supposed to meet people nowadays anyway? And we bonded over some very interesting topics, particularly the topic of learning from people that we might not like, sometimes hate, and how we need to stop comparing ourselves and our success to other people and other people's success. Pam is a fellow Latinx woman who has been through some stuff in life, but these experiences have taught her how important it is to get out of your own way. Now she shares her stories and experiences on her own podcast, Café con Pam, where she interviews notable people such as Eugenio Derbez, a Mexican actor and comedy icon. Pam has three jobs like me. I think that's one of the reasons we really understand each other. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Diferente. My name is Maribel Quesada-Smith. I'm an expert at questioning everything who wants to bring more color into your life. I'll be coming to you every week with a little humor and a mountain of passion to share with you experiences and lessons in life, culture, creativity, and business that will inspire all of us to explore different perspectives. Don't be surprised if you find yourself motivated to shake things up. That's known to be a side effect of the Diferente life, and it's contagious. Now let's get to it. Pam, thank you so much for being on Diferente. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am excited too, because I'm a big fan of your own podcast, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I really am a fan of your show. I do really dig your style and the way that you have conversations with people of different backgrounds and different stories. So I definitely wanted to get you on the show and talk about your own story and how it relates to this topic of learning from people that we might hate. So let's just start with your childhood. You have such an interesting story, by the way. Can we share that? Can we share a little bit about, about how you grew up? I was born in the U.S., grew up in Mexico City. So I did the opposite migration, I guess. So normally people are born in Latin America, come to the U.S. I did the opposite. I was born here and then moved to Mexico City. You did the opposite of me. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And I grew up in Mexico City. I love Mexico City. I mean, that's it's my place. It's home. And I was there back and forth. We would come back to the U.S. every summer, just stay here for, I mean, for the summer, I guess, and then go back, go to school there. So my whole education happened there. And then when my parents divorced, my mom was like, all right, you don't want us. We're bouncing. So she moved us to the U.S., to L.A., where a lot of her family is. And I mean, that was a shock. We had not actually gone to school here in the U.S. It was, it was really interesting. And we, I mean, th there was a lot of stuff going on. Parents had just split. So there was a lot of trauma happening there. 
And then when I was 15, my best friend got pregnant. And my mom was like, okay, so if the best friend that she's always with is pregnant, what is my daughter doing? So she was trying to protect me. She sent me one summer back to Mexico to visit my dad without a return ticket. When I was trying to come back, she was like, nope, you're staying. And my whole life plan changed again. And so finished high school in Mexico City. Once I was done with high school, I wanted to go to UNAM, the Universidad Autónoma de México. And I was really ambitious and I tried to, I'm a terrible test taker, by the way. I'm the worst. So to get into UNAM, you have to take this SAT type test. I always compare it to that, to the people in the US. And you have to get a certain amount of points in order to get to college if you didn't go to a public high school, which I didn't. I went to private high school. So I had to take the test. I took it twice. The first time I needed like three more answers. The second time I needed two. And so then after that, I was like, okay, I believe in signs and the universe telling you things through things that happen to you. And I was like, this is not my time to go to UNAM. I was born in the US for a reason. Maybe I need to go to college there. So I decided to go. My mom's brother lived in the Midwest and Missouri. And when I was looking for colleges, I had no idea how the US system worked at all. And so he said, well, there's this college here in Missouri where we live. It's small. It's probably affordable because it's a smaller town. It's not California where the rest of the family is. So I was like, all right, I've been in two huge cities my whole life. Let's switch it up and let's go to the country and let's see what this Midwest life is about. I mean, I'm grateful for that opportunity and for the experience. For example, this is something interesting. I have friends that have lived in California all their life and they have told me I don't have any black friends. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, some of my best friends are black. Like, are you kidding me? You've never had grits or like the green things? Greens. <laughs> the green things? <laughs> yes, I believe they call them green. Greens. <laughs> yes. You know, and they don't. So those are the things that I'm super grateful about the Midwest. Yeah. After that, I came to San Diego and I've been here since. I want to go back to something you mentioned about growing up in the Midwest and how there are people in the coast, like the West Coast, that have never left the West Coast, just like there are people in the Midwest who have never left the Midwest. I feel that that is one of the biggest reasons why we lack understanding in this world is because people don't step out of their comfort zone and they don't want to experience other things, I guess, unknown to them. So when people make assumptions about the Midwest being boring or being whatever, whatever they think, I tell them, have you been to the Midwest? Have you lived in the Midwest? Because unless you've actually lived there and met people from there, you don't know what you're talking about. And the same goes for the coast. I lived in the East Coast and I lived for a few months on the West Coast. So I understand both perspectives as well. And I know the differences. And so when people say bad things about someone from the East Coast, I say, you know what? Have you actually lived there? <laughs> have you met anybody from there? It's the same thing. And I think that, again, you bring up a really good point. You got to venture out so that you can understand different perspectives. You have a really wonderful, diverse experience from an early age that obviously opened up your imagination and your perspective. Now, what do you think about your life now? Has your life been very, I guess, stable since you were back in the States and graduated college? You haven't left the country yet. So 
Are you happy with that? Or what's your plan? I love it. I mean, but I think one of the things that I I am hyper aware that I can do that not a, a lot of people can is I'm not afraid to change. You can tell me, okay, you have a job tomorrow in Iceland. And I'll be like, all right, when are we leaving? You know? Really? You wouldn't even miss your family? I would miss my family, but I, I mean, they're not here. My sister lives in Kansas City now. My brother lives in Mexico City. My dad is in Mexico City. My mom is in San Diego, but I live with my dad since I was 17. No, since I was 15, since she sent me to Mexico. <laughs> Contrasting to your super close family, mine is not. It's not like we're detached. We love each other deeply, but we don't just don't hang out. I have friends. I mean, I have plenty of friends that I love going to their family gatherings because they're so fun and everyone is like their siblings. And that's so interesting because most people would say, oh, the Latino culture, they're so great with family. Everybody's so close. They have these big, huge families and they spend so much time together. Here you go, breaking stereotypes down. And I'm like, <laughs> nope, not mine. <laughs> well, and in fact, I, I embrace not having the stereotypical things. Like mm -hmm. when I first moved to San Diego, I met a lot of people. There's In San Diego specifically, there's a lot of transplants people from other places because it's a Navy town and because people love San Diego. So there's a lot of people that come from other places. And I met friends, a lot of them were transplants. So I started hosting orphan dinners, orphan Thanksgiving, orphan Christmas. I would call them that because it would be people that had no family in this town. And we would just get together. And that was kind of like the common ground let me take you back to something you said earlier that I think is very fascinating. You said that your mom sent you back to Mexico City because she felt that you might be doing the same thing that your best friend was doing and she was afraid you might be getting pregnant. Were you doing the same thing? Uh, I mean, yes, but no. I mean, I don't know. I guess my question is like, were you doing things that were putting you in a risky situation for your mom to actually worry? Or do you think that your mom was just being way too paranoid when she sent you back? No, I was dating someone who wasn't the best person for me as far as influence. So, and she was aware. And I think I knew. And had she not moved me to Mexico, yes, I do believe my life would have been extremely different to what it is now, 100%. I don't know if I would have ended in the teen mom path, but definitely not in the path that I am. Yeah, moms have a really good sense of what's going on. And I think your mom definitely picked up on the fact that she just needed to make sure you moved. And maybe that's the only way that she could get you away from him. That was the only way because I'm the oldest and I'm very stubborn. When, when you're young, it's more like, you don't know. I know everything. Yeah, of course. But now I've thanked my mom. I mean, I've done it publicly. I've done it privately. I've told her, you know, because you did what you did. Yes, I hated you probably when that happened. I mean, I cried for a week when that happened, when I knew I wasn't going back. But now looking back in, in retrospect, I'm so grateful that she made that choice. Switching gears a little bit. I mentioned earlier that you have a podcast. It's called Café con Pam, and I've really enjoyed listening to it because you have very honest conversations on your shows. In one of the episodes, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard you say that your brother was deported. Is that correct? Yeah. I, so he's the only one that was born in Mexico. He was a preemie. So my mom was pregnant in Mexico City, and he, she was eight months pregnant. So this happened right before we were coming back here, and he just decided to come. 
my sister and I were born here. So we would always come, we're US citizens. So we have that privilege. He didn't. And when we moved to LA, we had to go down to Tijuana every six months to renew his permit to be in the US. So what happened one time when he was three, maybe even? No, he was four or five. On the way back, there was a change of shifts. So people were coming in and out of their shift and they just let them through. And they stamped the paper. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. But the point is that the entrance didn't get recorded. Oh. Even though they did what they were supposed to. Yeah, yeah. But that's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's like it didn't happen. And so then we were living in the U.S., which, I mean, if you're, we're going to get technical on the legalities of it, he shouldn't have been going to school in the U.S., yes, but his family lived here. So the following summer, they went to see my dad, my sister and my brother alone. Because my mom was a flight attendant for so long, we are used to traveling alone. It wasn't a big deal to send two kids under 10 flying alone because she she knew the drill. And so they went to see my dad on the way back. We were picking him up and like the kids weren't coming. And she was like, what's going on? So basically, both my sister and my brother were detained without an adult. They were interrogated without an adult. Or a lawyer. Yeah, anyone. I mean, they were under five, which is what's happening now. And they decided to deport the child because he had been unlawfully in the U.S. for over six months. And when they interrogated him, they asked him what school you go to. And he said Braddock, which obviously there's no Braddock school in, in Mexico City. and. I mean, it was it was really tough. It was really hard because at that moment, when they finally allowed my mom to go in, they said, okay, say goodbye to your child. He's going home. He's going to Mexico. And thankfully, I mean, this is just the universe putting things together. And I'm so grateful it happened. And it doesn't always, which is the sad thing. But thankfully, one of my mom's friends was leaving that day. At that moment, she was going back to Mexico City. And my mom said, okay, if you're going to put him back on a plane, you need to put him on this plane with this person. And thankfully, my dad was in Mexico City ready to pick him up. It's something that he's definitely resented. He's still in Mexico City now as an adult, I'm guessing. He is in Mexico City. He lives with my dad. He graduated college. He's on his way to get a master's or he's thinking about it. And he loves it. He hates a strong word, but he doesn't like the U.S. He says that this country separated his family. And I have a niece and nephew, and he doesn't know them. We FaceTime, and we try to kind of communicate. I mean, communicate as much as you can through technology, but he's never hugged them. He's never been to his niece and nephew's birthday parties. And that's because the system that's completely broken, and he, he did nothing wrong. He was a child. Yeah. Questioned. As a child without an adult, I just can't get over that. My mom could get a settlement, but, and I mean, it broke my mom and she was a single mom at the time. She had gone through the trauma of leaving a country with her three kids, her husband leaving her. And then all of a sudden her kid is taken away from her and she has no one, nothing. She is in a different country and she had no money, you know, she lost mm -hmm. her company when my dad left. Like she literally lost everything. So she was trying to rebuild herself. And then all of a sudden her child hits, her youngest child gets taken away with such an injustice. So that's why what's going on right now with the family separation, it, it really hits home. I can understand why. I want to 
shift gears a little bit and talk about something that you posted uh, not so long ago on Instagram, which is kind of the reason why we connected. I saw that you posted a quote that says, what can we learn from the people we hate? Why did you post that? That's a quote by Tim Ferriss. And I think I was listening to one of his shows. <laughs> Have you listened to his episodes? Actually, I've read his books, but I haven't listened to his podcast. It's long. So he has like hour long episodes. So I listened to bits and pieces. And during one of the episodes, he posted this. And me personally, I don't think I hate anyone. I think hate is a strong word. And I've, I try not to use that in my vocabulary. But I think a lot of times, especially in social media, especially in the public world and, and now creating content, you tend to see what the neighbor is doing or doing that comparison game of like, oh, well, why? I mean, I posted the quote because it kind of reminded me of that attitude that I, I've been working on, that comparison thing of like, well, why is she getting this? Or why is she doing this? Or he or whatever. And like, I'm doing the same thing. Why can't I get that? Yeah. And I think it's important to say, well, that's awesome. Instead of questioning, why are you not? Be happy for them, then learn what they're doing. What are they doing that's working? And what can we learn from you? And questioning also, why are you feeling the way that you feel? I, I do this. I've been working a lot on, on doing that. Sometimes when I see you know, things that happen, not necessarily in social media, but just like things that happen that I feel a certain way, I, instead of bouncing that back on the other person, I bounce it back on me and question me, well, why do you feel this way? And is, is it fear? What is it? That's a really good point because I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. We need to question ourselves more. When we're having feelings of hatefulness or we're jealous, which happens a lot, we're envious of somebody's situation or trip or lifestyle, whatever. The question is not, how come I can't do that? Or how come I can't get that that she has? The question is, why do I feel this way? Why am I angry that someone else has something that I don't have? What am I doing wrong in my life to make me feel this way? Like reflect. You have to reflect because the comparison game will kill you. It'll kill you. And then you just become this jealous, angry person who is only tearing people down instead of helping build people up. Absolutely. And a lot of people don't realize is that by you tearing people down, is you're tearing yourself down. The shine that you're trying to dim, you're dimming yourself, really. And I think we've all been victim of both doing that to someone and being the victim on the other end of somebody hating us without us doing anything bad to them or anything wrong. They just are jealous or envious of whatever it is we're doing. So we, we've experienced both sides. Many people have. How do you suggest what's the best way to deal with that jealousy or hatred that you might feel when you don't have what somebody else has? Number one is realizing that everyone's story is different and everyone's timing is very different. So I mean, you could look at someone who's 23 and they're making it, you know, they're pursuing their passion and they're doing what they love and they look so happy, but you don't know what they went through 10 years ago. We don't know this. We don't know what's going on behind doors. We don't know. It's everyone's timing. Everyone, I believe in divine timing and everyone's timing is 100% different. And I think that's something that can put things in perspective when we're feeling that way. Or at least when I do, I always remind myself, okay, your timing is not the same. There's a lot of things that this person has gone through that you didn't. And there's a lot of things that you've gone through that this person didn't. And 
whenever it's your time, you're going to get it. Just keep looking forward. You can't move forward if you keep looking to the right or to the left. And also by giving, I think by giving, you open up this portal of gratitude and, and by giving, you give yourself too. I mean, I think everything that we do is a revolving door. It's never one ended. Everything that we do, that we feel, that we see, that we think, it reflects us. Multiple people have said it, you know, whatever you think about others, you think about yourself. I mean, it's just a mirror. So when I have a feeling about like a jealousy or why not me, then I think, well, why should you? And what are you doing about it? One time, one of my mentors years ago, I, I believe that people happens to cross your path for a reason. And I was talking to her about my job and how I was tired of it and I was tired of my boss and how he was just being mean to me and all these things. And then she paused and she was like, when are you going to stop being a victim? And I was like, all right. And I had nothing to say. I had nothing to respond because she was right. What did you think she meant by that? Well, she meant that all my complaining and my questioning of seeing how the world was against me, it was just me being against me. It was like, well, what are you doing about it? You cannot change what other people do. You can't but you can change how you react. And that's another thing that my mom taught us. She would always say, you have choices, especially when we moved to different places. And when when my parents separated, it was still rare for families to be of single parents. Like parents stay together. And a lot of my friends still to this day, their parents are together. So I was the oddball. And she would always tell us, well, people are going to say what they're going to say. They're going to think what they're going to think. But what you can control is your choice of how you're going to react. And so when this person said, well, when are you going to stop being a victim? That's when it clicked that I had a choice. I had a choice to continue to complain and cry about what was happening to my life. Or actually, tomar el toro por las riendas. Or sí, sí. Algo así. You know, something like, <laughs> algo así. We're terrible Mexicans. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Take the bull by the horns. I think we're confusing the phrases. <laughs> we're mixing the English one with the Spanish one. <laughs> I tend to do that a lot, actually. <laughs> me too. People laugh at me. They're like, wait, did you try to say this? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was supposed to be in Spanish. Huh? That was a pivotal point for me when I stopped being a victim. And I think that's what happens a lot. Ever since she said that to me, when I hear friends complain and tell me how terrible their life is, I've said, when are you going to stop being a victim? And some people have taken it well, and some people get mad at me. And I'm like, look, I'm not here to resolve your, <laughs> your life and nobody else's, but you. I want to ask you regarding being a victim, because a lot of people could say, what does she know about being a victim? And you have a serious experience of being a victim. Will you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I went through, I had a date rape, to be exact. And I mean, it, it is something that took a piece of my soul, 100%. I think when you go through a, an assault of that extent, I mean, definitely there's something that shifts in your, in your body and your soul and, and your whole being that it's never coming back. I mean, you were taken from, something was pulled away from you. I mean, there was a lot of trauma that I had to work on. There was therapy and I still, I'm looking for a new therapist right now, actually. And I mean, I think it's something that, and I could have victimized myself over it, but choices. After it happened, after I came out through my trauma and 
Because it's not just like, oh, I got up the next day and I was like, all right, let's talk about this. No, I mean, even I'm still healing from it. Healing never stops. And I think it still hurts. You know, it's just something that I am able to face now. And I always say that scar tissue, it's harder than skin. So if you touch a scar, it's much thicker than regular skin. That scar is thickening for sure. It's not something that will ever, I don't think, 100% heal. But I want to empower people that have gone through that or similar experiences to empower them to keep going. And yes, while you'll never get that piece of your soul back, your life can continue and your life can be as happy as you want it to be. Going back to hate, do you hate him? No, I forgave him. I learned about forgiveness on a previous relationship. (laughs) I learned that forgiveness truly comes from within. And when my sexual assault happened, one of the things that happens to a lot of sexual assault victims is that you blame yourself for it. And it's because of the whole societal standard of she was asking for it. It happened to her because she wore that. It can Mm -hmm. happen to anyone. I mean, it doesn't have to be a woman. It could be any identification you go by. But the societal norm or thought is that you cost it as a woman is that you cost what happened. And so, and those thoughts go through you. I mean, it's pretty intense how I woke up the next morning and I found the nearest gym and I showered for, I don't know how many hours. I really don't know because I felt dirty and ashamed and I felt that my body and my soul was tainted. But then I I forgive him because me hating him was not going to help my healing. And I realized that and I wanted to heal. And having resentment and carrying that painful memory is not going to help with my healing. And so, again, I believe in divine timing and I don't wish him anything bad, but he's going to go through something hard if he isn't already. Or I don't know. And it's not my job. It frankly is none of my business to wish him that because life is a revolving door and whatever needs to happen will happen. And it may happen in this life. It may happen in the next one. I don't know. He might just wake up and be a cockroach next time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but jokes aside, I mean, no, I don't hate him. I think having hate in my life will prevent me from having love. I want to leave up room for love. I think it's much more powerful to love someone and, and release. It's powerful to release too. It's so hard to forgive someone. Very hard. But... It gives you so much freedom afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So no, I don't hate him. I appreciate you sharing that because it's such a big part of your story. It ties back into what we were talking about, which is what can we learn from people we might hate and what can we learn from the situations that we have to go through, the tough things, awful things in life. When also I, I don't want my sexual assault to be the leading of my story. Going back to choices, you know, before I went through a date rape, I, I'm still Pam. I don't meet people like, oh, nice to meet you. I had a sexual assault incident. It's one of the scars that I carry and that's the choice that I've made. Thank you for sharing that. And that's very inspiring to hear. I have another two questions for you. Number one, what is your passion? And number two, what is your definition of success? I think my passion is creating something meaningful, whatever that is. And actually my word of the year is intention or intentional. I think my passion comes from anything that I create that means something that's going to change something. I mean, my 
my mission is to spread ideas, move people. So my passion is to ignite just meaning. I feel like we've come to an era where meaningful things are kind of like going extinct. (laughs) (laughs) That's my passion. I recently created a new product called Snooze It. And I'm so passionate about that because I think that it creates change and it creates meaning. It's very meaningful. Can you talk about it a little bit more? Totally. So Snooze It is a fabric pocket for your phone. And it encourages you to be present and to disconnect and be mindful. Because you might be like, well, why can't I just flip my phone over, put it in silent mode and and go on with my life? It's because there's a brain shift when you actually slide your phone into something and close it. Every single part of this news, it means something. Back to intentional. To inspire mindfulness, once you put it inside of the pocket, you can actually intentionally, purposely do something present without being plugged. I mean, obviously, you can put your phone in the pocket and get on your computer. But, you know, you can go on a walk. You can actually have a conversation with a friend without your phone. And one of the things that I would notice, and I created this because I am also a photographer and I did a mother-daughter documentary trip. I went to Tucson, Arizona. They have an annual mother-daughter trip and I photographed them during their vacation. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. During that time, one of the stops that they had was at a spa. And at the spa, they encouraged people to put their phones away. And they had like these cute stations for you to leave your phone kind of like sleeping. And I was like, well, why are these things only at the spa? Why can't you put your phone to sleep when you go to dinner with your friends? So then I journaled about it and I drew what I thought was going to be this news it, which that's what it became. And I recently launched it on Friday, July 13th. And it's been a lot of fun. Where can people find this product? So right now it's, I sell them on Etsy. So I have an Etsy store. It's called Spread Ideas. Or you can just go to snoozit.com. And then I'm working on the next model that's going to be released at the end of August. That's fantastic. You talk about creating things that are meaningful. Your podcast is pretty meaningful. Can you talk a little bit about your podcast and where people can find it? Yes. So Café con Pam podcast, I interview Latinas, Latinos, Latinx, and people of color that break barriers, change lives, and make this world a better place. And I started the podcast at the end of 2016 because I was in, in the corporate world. I was still working in corporate and I was traveling a lot. And I was listening to podcasts all the time. And I love hearing about people's stories and interviews and people sharing what they've learned in life, you know, so I could learn from it. But I found myself listening to stories that didn't necessarily relate to me or that were so disconnected from mine that I was like, well, I guess I could connect with your story, but not really. And then the interviewers were all white, which there's nothing wrong with that, but there was no connection with me. And then when they would have a person of color or someone who had a similar story to mine, the questions that I wanted to hear weren't being asked. So I was like, okay, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. So I love coffee and I want it to be a conversation. Like when you go have coffee with friends. And it's kind of like catching up. That's what I wanted it to be. So it's Café con Pan because I'm Pam and Café con Pan. <laughs> it's a play on words. <laughs> pan means bread in Spanish for those who don't know. And so you can find it on Instagram at Café con Pan Podcast. 
You can find it on iTunes at Cafe Compound Podcast. My website is spreadideasmovepeople.com. And I have all the things that I do there. I just do too much to have multiple websites for <laughs> other things. So. You're like my soulmate when it comes to creativity. So we're both doing way too many things. The last question is, how do you define success? To me, success is going to bed with a peace of mind. I've heard a lot of people say, well, it's, you can't wait to get up and do what you love. Well, to me, it's going to sleep with a peace of mind. I think finding harmony is success. Self-care is success. I think success could be defined in many ways, depending on which way mm -hmm. you want to look at it. But if you're able to end your day with a peace of mind and you can take a deep breath and be grateful for it, that's success. This month, we're launching the Diferente Shop, where people can support a nonprofit community organization while rocking some Diferente merchandise. And our first partnership will be with Camp Good Life. Allow me to introduce a very special friend of mine, JT Davis, founder of Camp Good Life. So JT, what is the mission of Camp Good Life? So Camp Good Life is a media and technology summer camp for kids between the ages of 12 to 17. And we target kids that are underserved and underrepresented. We take them out of the community, put them at a camp facility, and teach them how to take an idea from concept to completion. I'm a television producer. I understand how important it is to tell stories. And I want these children to have access to tell their own stories and to have access to the entertainment industry. And this camp takes place in the outskirts of Maryland, D.C. area. Is that correct? Why a camp? Why not stay in the city? Well, I, when I worked on a mayoral campaign here in D.C., I worked with kids uh, between the ages of like 16 to 22, and they had never been to some of the more beautiful parts of D.C. that were really serene. And when I took them there, they just like they sort of opened up and blossomed. And I really saw the difference between their behavior being in the city and being in a serene environment. And so I thought that if I'm targeting this population of children, I want to set them up for success. And I thought that taking them out to a very serene environment where they had the opportunity to just be kids and hike and kayak and do a zip line and nature walks and a bonfire, that they would just open up and blossom. And I have to tell you, last year they did. What can people do to help the Camp Good Life mission? Camp Good Life needs community support. And we need that in a couple ways. The first way is we love to embrace Camp Good Life ambassadors, people that hear about the camp, they want to put the mission on their back and take it to their friends and their family and essentially be force multipliers in the community for us by sharing the message of what we're doing. The second thing is that this camp is free of charge. And so we are raising money. We are looking for partnerships. We're looking for corporate sponsors. And if you would like to donate to Camp Good Life, go to campgoodlife.org and click on the pink pig. I've realized over the years that to live a full life is to make a positive impact in the lives of others. And that's what Living Diferente is all about, which is why for the entire month of August, we will be donating the net proceeds from every t-shirt and mug we sell to help sponsor kids attending Camp Good Life. Head to our website, adifferentelife.com, to join us in supporting this impactful community organization. Thank you for listening to Diferente. If you liked this episode, let me know by leaving a five-star review and by sharing a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram or Facebook. 
Just don't forget to tag me at A Diferente Life so I can know you're listening. ¡Hasta pronto!